0: Curious, how many of you are familiar with or have seen the classic movie, The Princess Bride? Okay, yes, okay. a good number of you, that, that's good. I like that movie because there are just so many great lines from that movie. And one of my favorite lines has to do with the word, inconceivable. You, you know which one I'm talking about then, if, you, if you've seen that. So, there's this villain in the movie named Vizzini. And he loves this word. He just loves this word. Uh, When his kind of his partners in crime are are worried about some of these bad things happening, every time he will say, inconceivable. There's no way it can happen, right? And then it happens. So there's five scenes in that movie where they do this, and he says, inconceivable in every one of those scenes. The very thing that he can't imagine happening that's inconceivable, it, it happens every time. And it leads to one of my favorite lines of the movie. One of his partners says to him, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. I just love that line. It's so so perfect because it kind of fits in, in life too, right? Sometimes words can be used so much that they lose their meaning, that they become misused, that they can even become misunderstood. Right? And so sometimes you get to the point where somebody has to say, you know what, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. And it's not just like right? It happens in our lives all the time with all kinds of words that people use. And believe it or not, it also happens with Christians, with the words that we use. And one of those words, I believe, is the word that we're focusing on today, um, that very word faith. I want you to think about that. Would, would you agree with me that that can be one of those words? Think about all the places you see this word plastered. You'll see it on a greeting card. You'll see it on bookmarks. You'll see it on T-shirts. You can even see it on locker room walls. Like, you talk about a broad use and meaning. What, what does it mean? Think about how many times you hear or say the word faith. In those different situations, you could say it in a hospital. You could say it in a classroom. Have faith. You hear it in stadiums. You hear it in church. Again, broad use. What What is it? Eventually, you're expecting someone to come up and say, hey, that word you keep using, I'm not sure it means what you think it means. And so, as we talk about faith today, it can kind of be confusing. Okay, what are we talking about? Is it this vague feeling? Is it more than that? And it, even worse, it can be, hard then to apply to our lives. What does this mean for me and my relationship with God? And and the thing is, faith was never meant to be a word like that. Very opposite. Faith is supposed to be this this solid, unshifting cornerstone for our relationship with God. So what we want to do today, our goal will be to just take a closer look at this word uh, with the help of uh, Luke chapter 7. And we want to see what, what really is faith and what makes faith great and what makes it this cornerstone of our salvation? So as we turn to Luke 7, and we just take like this high-level view of it, just a broad overview of it, what, what do we see? I think it's easy to see that faith is a cornerstone. Why? Because as we start out, we see a problem. The very beginning of our verses, we see the problem. You heard it. A man was sick and he was about to die. At the very end, we see the solution to the problem. This servant is all of a sudden well. Jesus used his saving power to make this man whole. So it begs the question, and, and this is what we get to at the end. This is the culmination of it all. What is the connection? What is the direct connection between a man who is dying and Jesus' saving power? Well, that we see it right at the end. Jesus said, I have not found such great faith. So right away, as we just take this high-level view, we see that faith is a cornerstone because it is the connector between someone who is not whole and Jesus who makes whole. Right? So that's a very simple definition of faith, and that kind of gets us started. It's this connector between people who are not whole and Jesus who makes people whole. I hope it also kind of brings up some questions in your mind. Some questions like, okay, what is this kind of faith that actually connects people to Jesus' saving power? And what is so important about this faith that Jesus would use a word like great to describe it? That's what the rest of the story is about, all the middle stuff. Right? That's why this story is re- this event is recorded for us, to kind of answer those questions. What is this kind of faith that connects people to Jesus? And as we look at the event unfold, we have two options that we're going to explore this morning. Two options that, of what this faith could be. So, so here's the first option. You look at the word great, and you put it with the word faith, and I think we immediately start thinking of something. Don't you start thinking of a great person and the great things they have done? That's what what we have here. We're introduced to a a Roman centurion. He's a great man. And what makes this man, man great is ironic because it's all about the things that shouldn't make him great, at least as far as the Bible goes. Think about what we know about him he's a Roman. So in that historical context, you've got this Jewish nation where the Romans had occupied and and conquered the Jewish nation. And so here is a citizen of that conquering nation. But more than that, he's not just a citizen. He is a a commander of many soldiers in an army that often mistreated and abused the Jewish nation. And so by, by all standards, when we see a centurion, we should think villain. But that's the, the irony here. That's just it. These Jewish leaders are on his side. These Jewish leaders who most of the time would hate Romans and hate soldiers, what, what do they say about this man? He loves our nation. He's built us a synagogue. They love this man. They respect him. And it, it tells you what kind of person he must have been to earn their respect. He must have been a loving man, a a fair man, a, a just man. He had integrity. But I think the real telling thing is that he also built them a house of worship. So at the very least, he was a benefactor for these people. But I think more likely, he too came to faith in the God of the Bible. He worshiped God. And so this centurion is not what we expect. He has a high reputation for his character and his morality. So to these Jewish elders, that's what made this man great. To them, it's all of those great things, that's what formed the connection between a man who was not whole and Jesus who has the power to make whole. Let me say that in another way. To these Jewish leaders, that was faith. Holding on to everything that they felt made this man worthy of receiving Jesus' saving power. Right? Isn't that exactly what they're saying in their own words? This man deserves to have you do this. Look at who he is. Look at what he's done. He deserves this. And so that's the first option of what faith is. Maybe it's holding on to things that you think make you worthy of Jesus' saving power. So keep that in mind. That's option one. The second option, uh, we have to do maybe a little more deep, deep thinking. Think a little deeper about what great is actually describing when Jesus says, this man has great faith. Is it truly describing the man and all the things he has done? Or is it something else? And you know who wants us to ask that question? It's actually the man that the Jewish people thought was great. It's the centurion. Because look at, look at his words here. After they got done rattling off all his great accomplishments, he says, no, 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 I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I don't even consider myself worthy to come to you. Jesus, just say the word. Just say the word. I find that fascinating. No appearance before Jesus wearing his military dress uniform with all of his awards and accomplishments. He he didn't consider himself worthy to even stand before Jesus. No big list of all of his acts of love and kindness and generosity like, like the other people had rattled off. No, he he considered anything he did to be nothing compared to all the things that Jesus had done and would do. Besides that, there was no demand for for this big sign, this, this long chanting, this laying out of hands like most healers would have done in that day. This man knew the authority of the spoken word. And he knew there was no greater authority than Jesus' divine authority. So what's going on? In other words, before Jesus, this man let go of any sense of his own reputation, his own character, his own morality. To him, that healing had nothing to do with himself. It was all about Jesus, who he was, what he would do, what his final word was. And so that leads to the second option. What is faith that connects a person to Jesus? It could be letting go of everything of yours and just leaving it in the hands of Jesus. So, which one do you think it is? You see the difference between the two? It's the difference between saying to Jesus, here's why I deserve this and... I don't deserve anything. It's the difference between here's who I am, Jesus, and here's who you are. It's the difference between holding on to everything we feel makes us worthy and just letting go of all. So, So which is it? I think you know the answer, right? What was it that made Jesus say, wow, that is great faith? It wasn't these Jewish elders holding up all of the man's accomplishments. It was the man letting go of everything. And I think that brings us to a very important point when we we are understanding faith. Faith isn't so much about what we are holding so strongly to as it is letting go of everything. I just want you to to think through that. Faith, great faith, is more about letting go than it is how strong you're holding on to something. I want you to think that through. So I'm going to, as you're thinking it through, just give you a couple of illustrations. Okay, give two illustrations. On Friday night, the Rocky Mountain Lutheran High School Eagles volleyball team had a game. And they were down two sets to one. So they were gonna about to lose the game. or were going toward that way. And there was a timeout called. And during that timeout, um, the gym was really loud. And the opposing fans started, started chanting, I believe that we will win. Over and over. And it was really loud. And it was really convincing. And it was really intimidating. They believed it with all their might. Turns out the Eagles came back. And they won the last two sets. And they won the game. So... Were their fans' faith great because they believed it so hard and they chanted it really loud? No, it ended up being worthless. It doesn't matter how strongly they were holding on to it. It was worthless. It's not about what you're holding on to. It's about letting go. Uh, the second illustration, maybe a little more clear, two climbers were climbing a mountain. They both slipped down onto this little rock ledge. And it was very dangerous. There's only... Uh, there were two options to, to go to safety. There was an outcropping of rocks over here that they could go or an outcropping of rocks over here they could go. One of the climbers said, I am confident it's this outcropping. I know it is. I, I believe it with all my heart. The other climber said, ah, I think it's that outcropping, but I'm so scared. I don't know. The confident man boldly stepped onto the outcropping that he thought it was, that he believed with all his heart it was, and he fell down to the ground below. The other man crawled scared and timid across the other outcropping as it held him up. So who was saved? The man who believed with all of his heart and was so sure? No. It was the man who chose the right rock. Right? That's what I'm saying. That's what these verses are saying. It is so easy to subjectivize faith. To make faith about me and how strong I believe, how often haven't we heard it? It doesn't matter so much what you believe, just believe it strongly and sincerely. But that is not not—that is not great faith, no matter how hard you believe. Faith is only good as its object. Faith is only as strong as its object and is only as great as its object. So it does matter what you believe in. And for your salvation, it matters who you believe in. And all of a sudden, you start to see the beauty of this event and what Jesus is teaching us here. This is so important. This is so comforting. This is so easy to apply to our lives because I think each one of us knows the problem with making faith about us, right? We, we, about us and what we're holding on to and how strong we're holding on to it. One of two things can happen. Either we can be like the, the centurion and when it comes to our faith, we don't even want to face Jesus. We know he's holy. We're not worthy. We want to love and be kind and be generous, but then our selfishness rears its ugly head and we fail miserably. We don't want to fall into those temptations to think those things again, to say those things again, to do those things again. But every night we go to bed and we feel guilty because of how much they happened anyway. And when it's about us then, we are afraid and we're weak. We feel there's no way that a person like me can be connected to Jesus' saving power. Sometimes it happens the other way. Sometimes we're a lot like the Jewish elders and we boldly stand in front of Jesus and hold out our accomplishments. I go to church. I serve. I give my offerings. I love people. I care about my community. I I fight for the right values and morals. I am respected and upright and moral, Jesus. I feel very strongly that I deserve your love. We believe it with all of our hearts. They seem very different, but they're actually both the exact same thing. Whether we're too bad and unsure or we're too good and we're confident, whether we're holding on to the bad things that we have done or holding on to the good things we have done, what we're doing is we're making faith about us. We're holding on to these things. But if true faith, if great faith is not about how strongly we're holding on to something, but about letting it go and leaving it all to Jesus, oh, doesn't that change everything? That means that you're not too bad to be connected to Jesus' saving love. It also means you're not too good to be connected To Jesus' saving love. Instead, it's just like the centurion. Say the word, Jesus. Just say the word. And Jesus does. right? With a word, he resisted Satan's temptation. Sent him packing. And because he's living as your substitute, that's your record. With a word, Jesus defeated your sins. He said, it is finished on the cross as he's dying for you so your sins are paid for. They're forgiven. They're gone. With a word, he defeated even death. I am the resurrection and the life. His victory is your victory. With a word, he brings you worth and belonging as he brings you into his family. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With a word today, he will assure you of his love. This is given and poured out for you. With his word, he uplifts you and strengthens you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, you don't have to hold on to anything. Not your failures or sins. Not your reputation and your moral standards. Instead, let it go and leave it to Jesus. He's your love. He's your forgiveness. He's your worth. He's your belonging. He's your strength, your salvation, your very life. And so, when you're weak or when you're strong, it's all about Jesus. He is that solid object on which you can stand. He will never let you down. And really, isn't that what makes faith great? So I'm going to close with a quick ministry story that I think of when I think of faith. Um, I had the privilege of of serving as pastor for a, uh, a retired pastor at the end of his life. He was a member of our congregation, and this pastor was kind of intimidating to me because he was one of those great pastors. <laughs> he would served faithfully for so long. Um, he was well-known in our church body. He held some offices in our, high offices in our church body. Uh, he was a published author. I have a bunch of his books in my library, and so I'm like, who am I to serve this great man? He was a great man. Um, but in the final hours of of his life before he went to be with Jesus, uh, we were able to have a really great conversation and he made me promise him something. He said, when you're doing my funeral, do not talk about me or anything I've done. Promise me that the only thing you will talk about is Jesus and what he's done because that's the only thing that means anything to me. I, I definitely made that promise. And then, uh, just visit him with a little longer, and I, I think these were his last words. He actually quoted a hymn. He talked about a, a great pastor, right? I'd probably just moan or something. but He, he quoted a hymn. And I'll never forget it. He said, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I claim. I thought, wow, that is great faith. And what was so great about it? He let go of anything of His. He left it all to Jesus. Sisters and brothers, it's exactly what makes your faith great too. Amen.